You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 17. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Hey everyone, so excited to have you on the podcast today, and it's because I'm talking to someone who I truly admire. I've only recently found her stuff, used a few of her most divine quotes, prints, and memes on Instagram, and every time I see her stuff in either my Instagram feed or Facebook feed, my heart is filled with all levels of happiness. It's because of how her messages and beautifully crafted pieces of pieces of art have made me feel and literally tens of thousands around the world that I had to get her on the show to talk about living a positively present life. I'd like to welcome Danny DePiro to the show. Welcome, Danny. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much. It's getting you are nighttime in the U.S., I believe, in Washington. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's late afternoon here. So, you know, so thank you so much for making the time to come on. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, yes, living a positively present life is something that I think not a lot of people are doing right now. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's something that we all struggle with um, from time to time. I do feel like some people are born more naturally positive and others are not, and you sort of start with a baseline, and then you can work with what you have. I tend to be a negative person, and somebody who spends a lot of time worrying and feeling anxious, Um, and that's why I ended up starting Positively Present in the first place, was because I knew that those qualities were sort of my default, and that they didn't have to be that way forever. Um, It's still something I, I work on constantly, but I realized that if I wanted to change those things, I really had to work at it, Um, And to me, you know, staying as positive as possible and being as present as possible has really helped me to sort of make my life better in almost every aspect ever since I started the blog back in 2009. And would you say just with the fact that the insight and, and, you know, I guess reclaiming, you could say, you know, positively present or even utilizing those words, you know, you start to shift the way you think? Yes, definitely. I think just when I started the blog, the act of having it and sort of trying to see the world through that lens, and you can do this whether or not you have a blog, um, definitely shifted things. And also now because it's my job, I certainly have people reminding me in my personal life if I'm not being the most positive and present. Um, And so I'm definitely, you know, thinking how would I tell my readers or what would I do? Somebody else came to me with a situation that was negative. How would I say like, this is a great way to make the most of it. And so it certainly helped me. But I mean, even if you don't have a blog that's all about being positively present, if you think about the world or whatever your current situation is from that lens, it's definitely helpful. Yes. No. And listen, positively present. There's something about I, I only came across you literally for four weeks ago. I think it was I was looking back at when I sent that first email before I headed off to Bali and I was scrolling through your Instagram feed. And listen, I love bright colors. I love positive messages. And my scrolling thumb, you know, instantly stopped when one of your memes showed up in my feed. And I was like, who is this lady? And then I was like, you know, the title that got me also too was just the bright colors and your beautifully crafted illustrations. It was also the one about good reasons to put down your phone. And the mem for me really stuck with me. It was elegant. 
It hit every core in my body because I feel society is being sucked in with technology, that we're losing the ability to connect. And as you would say, being positively present with you know society and nature. And this addiction, I feel, is getting harder and harder to break, especially with our younger generations. I mean, we see, I mean, I see it in my kids when I'm like, give me the iPad after five minutes and they freak out. But, you know, most importantly, our over phone use, or I guess I would also say one step forward, they're not even the phone, it's just the iPads, everything that's in our hands is taking away from being positively present. So, you know, that's how I first found out about you. I love what you do. I love what you stand for. Obviously, I know a little bit about you, but the listeners still don't. So but I'd love to jump in to have you give us a brief about, you know, who you are, where you're from. But before that, I like to get the listeners in on something fun about the listeners, which in this case, you love color. It's very evident in what you do. So I'd like to start I with of all the colors in the rainbow you know, that you use in your illustrations on a daily basis, what is your go-to favorite color? Well, there's a difference between the color I use most frequently Uh um, and the color that is my favorite because my favorite color, which is orange, and that has been my favorite color my whole life. Uh Um, I have an orange couch right here next to me. Like, I love (laughs) orange. It tends to be a color a lot of people don't like. Um, so I actually tend to gravitate towards um, teal a lot. That seems to be a really popular color um, in my illustrations. Um, I still use all the colors, of course. Um, I, As you rightly pointed out, I love color. Um, and I certainly love all of the colors, but orange is by far my favorite. So orange, all right. Good one. Goody, goody, goody. And especially over in the U.S., listen, orange is a representation for me of Halloween. Whenever I would yeah, see Yeah, that's orange, actually why I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's so, and for those who, again, around the world who have never experienced a true, well, I'm from Canada, you're from the U.S., you know, Canadian, American Halloween, I mean, it is next level. It is, some, you know, something that my childhood memories bring, you know, are embedded in me. And we do, Australia actually is not a huge Halloween fan and it's, it's just not part of their culture. It's slowly getting here. So every year I make my kids dress up and I, you know, they know no different, but deep down there's not a lot of people that do it, but it's slowly getting there and I love it so much. Now tell us, so orange is your favorite color You and tell us where you live, how, what you used to do and where you're at now. So we can kind of get a little bit of more history about, you know, Danny. Well, I live in a suburb of Washington, D.C. I live in the state of Maryland, um, which is right outside um, the capital of the U.S. And um, I used to work um, prior to Positively Present. I used to work in marketing um, and it wasn't something that I felt passionate about. And I always knew that at some point I would be writing for a living in some way. Um, I just didn't ever expect this. Obviously, when I was growing up, um, there weren't blogs. There was like barely the internet. Um, So I would never have imagined sort of this path that I've come down. Um, But I started the blog in 2009 when I was like not in a great place emotionally. And as I mentioned before, I was, you know, being really negative and anxious. And I wanted to, you know, find a way to help myself. And then as I was realizing that I was going to be writing about this, I thought, why not, you know, create a blog and share with other people sort of what I was learning because I was coming from a place of not being like a naturally optimistic person. And I thought other people probably were in the same boat and why not sort of talk about it um, in a more public way. Um, and since then, the the brand has grown. I do a lot more illustrating, which I didn't do at the very beginning. It was very much um, writing focused. 
Um, but it's expanded since then. And I feel like I sometimes do even more illustrating now than I do writing. Um, but ultimately, it's about me being creative and sharing what I'm going through, what I've learned about trying to stay more positive and more mindful um, as a person that doesn't sort of naturally gravitate towards those mindsets. And for you, what would you say, obviously, it's, it had a stem from somewhere, you said you started it back in 2009. So I'm sure that over the time, the definition may have changed a little bit. But in your mind, just so the listeners understand, when we talk about being positively present, can you tell us a little bit about what that actually means and how you're defining that? Yeah. um, When I started it um, back in 2009, I had initially started by sort of looking online for happiness blogs and happiness articles because I realized I wanted to be happier. And as I was doing that, it started occurring to me like, you can't always be happy. Like if something terrible happens in your life, you're not going to be happy. Like that's just not the way it's going to be. And so that's when I started shifting my thinking a little bit more towards being positive, which to me is about trying to make the most of a moment and, you know, either find the good in it, or if it's like a really terrible situation and there's not really any good to be found, um, sort of learning from the situation and growing as a person and taking what you can from it because I've just found um, personally that, you know, you have a choice when you're facing good things and bad things, how you're going to kind of go about it. And anytime you take sort of the negative, like, let's look at everything that's going wrong, it's going to make the situation worse. Whereas the positive is not at all about like saying, oh, like everything's fine. And like, let's just be cheerful. I think people have a lot of trouble understanding that there's a very big difference between positivity and cheerfulness and happiness. Like happiness to me is a state um, like, like sadness um, or anger or something. You feel it, but it's generally pretty brief. Um, Whereas positivity is a mindset of doing your best to sort of find whatever good element or life lesson that you can from a situation. And With the present aspect, I think one of the reasons I got into, you know, focusing on that element in the blog was that I was facing so much anxiety um, and stress, both about things that had happened in the past and things that would potentially happen in the future, um, particularly because I was in my mid-20s at the time. And it was just kind of that, you know, place in my life where I was like, I didn't really know where I was going. I wasn't happy with my job or my relationship. It just felt like, What's going to happen? And I realized like so much of my own internal stress was caused by worrying about things that had either already happened or were potentially never going to happen. And that's where I really realized I needed to be more present um, and to not spend so much time dwelling on the past or fretting about the future because that wasn't helping me at all. I mean, obviously you want to prepare for the future and, you know, do what you can, but I think there's kind of a boundary between feeling prepared and just overthinking and analyzing things to death. And so that's really what I mean when I say positively present. It's about trying to make the most of a situation um, and try to stay as present as possible um, without letting like worry and anxiety take over so that you can enjoy wherever you are, you know, with the best possible, you know, chance of like making the most of it. And would you say, with being positively present that some stay at some times in life, you could be positive, but the present could be missing or you could be present and the positive could be missing. Could you also do, have you noticed that ever also? Yes, definitely. I definitely feel like they're two separate things and 
have to work on them. I think that they overlap a lot, so that's yeah. good. But I also think they are definitely separate um, because I can still be worrying about something um, or over worrying about something, but then also being like, all right, well, here are the good things that could happen, but it's still like you're not really being present um, in the moment. Um, so I, I think that it, it's definitely a two part thing. And that's why I chose, you know, those two things to kind of talk about, because for me, they were personally the biggest struggles. Um, and I want to sort of conquer them. And I, it's still a work in progress all this time later, I would never be like, Oh, well, I totally am positive and present all the time. Right. You're um, like, Hello, happy and positive <laughs> and present. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think it's, been worth the effort and it's still worth the effort and there are a few things in life that I feel like I've worked as hard at and that have had such positive you know not to use that word but results overall that make things better so it's definitely a challenge though because sometimes you can't or you you know struggle to do both or one or the other and would you say with being positively present like you talked a little bit earlier about like the not being happy in the relationship, you know, feeling overly worried about either the past or the present. Was there something significant that happened and you're like, man, we got to rock and roll this positively present movement because, you know, life's too short or, you know, was there anything significant or was it just one of those things that you're like, nah, nah, I just, you know, there's, I've got to do this. Yeah. I think it was kind of a, a number of things. I'd had a lot of, um, you know, just challenging situations and just, like I guess like month after month and and things just like being like you know I would try to change different things like I got out of the relationship tried a different relationship that didn't work I got a different job that didn't work and that's when it started to be like okay this is not like an external thing like you can't just go out and do something else and you're gonna feel better or if you do yeah. it's gonna be temporary and that's when it was like all right let's let's start working on the internal bit and see like you know it's like the underlying factor when like I don't know, if you like have friendships and you always have the same problem with friends, you have to be like, wait, am I the problem? Right. <laughs> you know, you like, look at yourself. yeah, in every situation and nothing felt like it was going well, that I had to kind of take a step back and say, all right, I think it's me. Um, and there's only so much you can control in life. But one thing that you can always control is your attitude. Um, like, you know, you can lose everything, everyone, things can be terrible, but you can choose you know, to have a positive mindset. And so that's to me kind of why I was like, this is the route I want to go. And this is the the place I want to put my energy and time. And when you decided to, to actually go, okay, this is where I'm going to put my energy. This is where I'm going to put my time. What were kind of the first steps? Because there's going to be other people out there listening that are going, yeah, man, I probably, it does have to, it's coming down to the core here, people. You know, I've got that Senate. When you point a finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you, you know? And so often it actually is us that have either caused a problem or said something wrong, or it's a combination of things, but yet we're very eager or very fast to pinpoint someone else. So in your, you know, without going into a whole, you know, kind of mini therapy session, you could say, what would you tell the listeners or what advice would you give the listeners about if you want to start being positively present in your life, what are kind of like three or four, maybe five little tips that you could give people um, to get started? Do you mean kind of shifting that mindset? I think the first thing and the most important thing for me that happened before I even started the blog um, was paying attention to my thoughts and realizing that I was being incredibly negative, that I was being anxious and worried all the time. Um, and so I think being aware of those thoughts um, was the first step. I mean, it's kind of like any problem, like 
you can't begin to solve a problem if you don't know what the problem is. Yeah. Um, so I think that was, that's a key thing is to pay attention um, and, you know, sort of recognize your thought patterns of what tends to like set you in a certain mood, what's working, what's not. And then also, I think another key thing um, is to be open to being positive and to being present. I think in the past, I thought of that as kind of like a weakness, like, oh, people who are positive aren't like intelligent or they're not like thinking deeply about things and, you know, not critical thinkers and like people who are happy all the time must just like be dumb or something or, um, you know, and that just was a terrible attitude to have um, because I was, you know, putting this block between me and living a more positive life. So I think for a lot of people, that's really one of the first steps as well is to open your mind to being positive and present and to say, you know, this is something that I want to try to do because obviously if you're not even open to it, you're not going to do it. Um, and then you really have to start getting to work once you've sort of paid attention to yourself and been open about it. And that's where you really have to start looking at the elements of your life and the people in your life and, you know, remove the negativity wherever you can. And that's, that can be a really difficult step um, because you've got to look at your own habits and your behaviors, the people that you surround yourself with. And it's not always going to be an easy thing, like, you know, to get rid of people or to get rid of habits. Um, all of that stuff takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, so, you know, when dealing with that, I would say, you know, get help if you can, like, you can have some sort of objective perspective, like whether it's a therapist or a counselor or something, that's always great. Um, if that's not an option, there's tons of resources online. Um, you know, people who have been through similar situations, I, I find that always helpful to, you know, look and see what other people have done. It doesn't mean that you have to take their advice, um, but it can give you kind of a new perspective. Um, and then another thing that I think is really important, especially if you're just starting out with trying to be more positive and present is to focus on gratitude. And that is kind of one of those things in like the self-help community that, that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and often like if you're not, you know, doing it all the time, it can feel like, oh, that's a cliche, like, oh, be thankful. But I found, you know, from keeping a gratitude list every day and anytime things are going terribly wrong, I'm like, okay, well, what's going right? Like, I'm alive, like, family's alive, like all these like basic things that, you know, just get pushed aside when you feel like you're in a crisis. Um, taking the time to think about them, it can really, really shift things and help you stay more positive and more present. Wow. Very, very good. I mean, and this is the thing is sometimes I think it's people overcomplicate things, don't they? Like, okay, I've got to be positively present, but you know, there's no, nope, I can't get there because there's too many, you know, they put up too many excuses or blockages, but the steps that you've just talked about, you know, you know, one, like really looking at the problem, identifying the problem Two, you know, being open about what's going on. Three, removing the negative habits and behaviors and whether or not that's the people, your job, et cetera. And four, focusing on gratitude. They're not overcomplicated processes, but yet so many people will choose not to do it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they're not complicated, but they can be hard. Exactly um, right. Emotionally. And I would say number three, I think is always the toughest is again, you know, and I'll talk about it quite openly. My mom, you know, I had to cut her off. There was no other way of saying it, you know, is that every single day she would have me in tears, 
you know, and it was a horrible feeling to think, you know, how do you, how do you cut your mom off and boundaries? I, you know, I tried to lay some boundaries with her. She chose not to follow the boundaries and I finally had to just like cut her out. You know, and it's not something that you're born with or people even tell you growing up about is one day you may have to, you know, choppy chop your mom out of your life, you know, but again, I think about you, you go back to those choices people have to make about being positively present. And I had a choice to either continue to allow her to bring me down and make me cry every single day and everything else. Or I had a choice to go, hold on a minute. Actually, no, I've got to let her go. So it still came down to me, you know, and what choices I was willing to make. Um, right. And yes. Yeah, so it can be very difficult to do. And I'm sure in your situation, it was difficult, um, especially when it's, you know, a close family member. Um, like your mother, I think that that is incredibly challenging. And I think that's sometimes why people don't do things. But I think you don't really realize the benefits of not having negative people dragging you down until you let those people go. Um, and, 100%. you know, sometimes I think people get not like, they get kind of used to negativity, especially if it's kind of your default. Like, that's how I was. I was just like, I'm a negative person. Like, that's just it. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, that's who I am. I think when you settle into that, almost with anything, even if it's like a positive trait or something, when you completely identify yourself as a certain thing, you really limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or people might be listening to this thinking, well, I could never cut my mom out, even though she's terrible for me and that she, you know, treats me terribly or something. But it's like, when you say that, then you're limiting yourself. Like maybe you actually could. Um, I'm not saying it would be easy, um, but it, it's something that can be done and might be what you need to do. I mean, everybody has their own individual situation, but I think the important thing is to sort of try to be open-minded about it and think, you know, not put those labels like I can't do that or I would never be able to do that because I certainly, you know, if I were to be talking to my younger self now, like I would be like, I could never, you know, do all these things I've done to make my life a more positive place for myself. I never would have envisioned that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if you really put in the effort and you try, you can do things, things you would never believe that you could. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I think, again, it comes down to sometimes, yeah, like you said, it's tough decisions um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be forever. In my instance, I haven't spoken to my mother in years, but again, life, you know, I don't cry every day. Like I did back in my twenties. I don't feel anxious all the time, you know, because of what's coming next, you know, etc. So no, so I definitely agree with you that though they might be simple, they might be hard, but I think if you can get through that, I mean, like you said, whether you've got a therapist or another friend who can work you through that and then you've got that supportive network around it. I do think that it is 100% capable of changing that kind of negative vibe to a more positive vibe. Yes, definitely. Now, as we talk about, you know, kind of others bringing us down, what insights can you share on how to share positively, positivity with others when they're not in their own positive mindset, I guess? So if you're going out to dinner with friends on a regular basis and there's always this one kind of Debbie Downer in the group and you're just like, man, what is up? You know, do you have any insight on yeah, how you can share being positive with others um, and trying to maybe make things better in those types of situations? Yeah. I mean, I think you ultimately have to realize you can't control or change other people if they're not going to be willing to do it. I mean, you can try your best, but um, ultimately people have to make their own decisions when it comes to positive or negative thinking. Um, I also, I try to, you know, if somebody's, if I were in a situation like that, you know, you have the choice also to not let somebody else drag you down. It, it's very, you have to be very conscious of it. 
Um, but you ultimately have the choice to like, you know, not feed off of that energy, which can sometimes be hard because a lot of us are very much impacted by others' energy. Um, but I think that's also a choice. You can just, you know, do your thing and sort of, you know, not, I'm not saying you'd have to ignore the person, but just sort of limit your interactions with them. Um, but also I think sometimes people, you know, there's also the, depending on how close you are with this person, like you could have a conversation with them and say, you know, what's going on? Can I help you? You like, you seem really negative. You seem down all the time. Like you can also like do that. But if it's just kind of not a close friend, you might not want to do that. Um, yes. Or a fraught relationship that kind of just depends. But I think first of all, just being positive yourself really does impact people. Like there's like a ripple effect and it's not going to like transform everyone you meet. But generally if you're positive, even like, like I think about when I'm dealing with people, I go to a shop or something and you know, the cashier is, you know, grumpy or you know clearly not happy because they're at work and I get that I've, I've been there yes <laughs> but you know if you are really happy and you try to act you know positive like a lot of times people's attitudes will change um you have that power just as somebody else can sort of bring you down you can bring people up um that's not to say you should like go around trying to bring everyone up because that's going to drain your energy and it's not your job to you know make everyone in the world feel positive um, so you kind of have to pick your battles, but it never hurts to try that. Um, and to try to remind people of, you know, some of the things that, you know, if they're focusing on the worst thing that could happen say, well, what about if this happened? Or, you know, if they're saying everything in my life is terrible, well, talk about, you know, maybe bring up a couple things that are going well for them, um, or that they have going for them. And cause sometimes, you know, when people are in their sort of negative downward spiral, they forget about the things that they have to be grateful for. And, you know, depending on the person, I could see some people getting super annoyed and being like, stop bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of people would be responsive. So you really have to kind of judge the situation. But um, ultimately, I think it's important to protect your own um, mindset and, you know, try to steer away from negative people. But, you know, if you do find yourself encountering them, as we all do, you know, you can you can try to lift them up a little bit and see if it helps. And if it doesn't, I feel like, you got to make sure you don't take it personally and you also just don't let them drag you down. Yeah. And I think again, not allowing them to drag you down and that you still remain positive. I remember there's two of the most delightful people that I respect and love dearly are the Merrymakers, Emma and Carla. And I initially met them when I was kind of hit with my own depression and anxiety. And I was just like, who are these positive people? You know, like every time I'm around them, they are like infectious. But I was like, dude, I was like infectious. like, dude, you can't be this happy and cheerful, right? Like all the time. But they genuinely are two of the most delightful souls I have ever met. And they are the most joyous and they always are trying to find the better, you know, like always. Like it doesn't mean that they don't get, that they weren't sad if they have a breakup or, you know, things like that. Cause there's still elements of sadness, but they allow themselves to be sad and then they hop right back on, you know, the positive, you know, trend. Right, exactly. Like, that's what you have to do. I mean, that's just the way, You've got to be in life. Life is going to bring you down. It is like that's just how it how it goes. And you can either kind of go with it, or you can say, "All right, you know what? That was terrible." You give yourself some time, and then you move back on. And then you know you really do pick up on other people's energies. Um, and you you know the more you practice being positively present yourself, like you you get more used to it. It's almost like you know whatever you do a lot becomes kind of like your habit. Um, yes. So. If there's anybody out there listening that's like, oh, well, I'm not positive. I'm never going to be positive. 
it's like the whole fake it till you make it thing. Like you practice and practice and suddenly you start looking at things from a positive perspective before you even realize you're doing it. No, what, yeah, no, I totally agree. And it, it's just yeah, one of those things that all of a sudden I was like, well, hold on a minute, choices that need to be made. And I was like, okay, well, I can, even though I've got the depression and anxiety and I'll have to work through that, I can still be, do you know what I mean? Elements of happy, you know, and I can still be present and I can still do that. So yeah, it's, I think it is around surrounding yourself with those right people. Because when I was around Emma and Carla, you, you there's no way that you could in a bad mood you know like it was impossible you know because they're just such an infectious spirit to be around so yes now we've talked a lot about the being present i would say but the, the element or sorry being positive but the element of being present and this is why it's kind of really great that when i was researching some of this stuff for the episode today and learning more is there's definitely you know you're working on both and one of the things that i found is obviously just recently you've identified that you need to manage your phone use to be more positively present. And I'd love to have a discussion about this because so many listeners, especially those who are tuning in from a business perspective or business owners, I feel through this conversation, people can learn from you and gain insight about putting the phone or the iPad or the tablet down and be present because let's be honest, we're on our phone and electronics far more often than we're not anymore. And I also found interesting enough that a study led by Nottingham Trent University asked asked the 18 to 33 year olds to estimate the amount of time they spent on their phone and compared their self reports to their actual usage. This was part of your blog that I was reading. And they discovered that the average person checks their device 85 times a day, spending a total of five hours browsing the web and using apps. And they said that this equates to around a third of the time a person is awake and is twice as often as many people realize. So the other thing I was reading, I was going, well, hold on a minute, this can't be true. And then in one of your blogs, I was, um, you have the smartphone compulsion test, I think it's called. And, mm-hmm. and you, for example, I think you said you're like, I scored 14 out of 15. And then I scored it. I was at about, I think it was 12 off the top of my head, but it was like getting high. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, because it was one of those things that like, I guess out of sight, out of mind, you were like, no, you minimize. I'm not really on the phone that much or no, I'm not really doing it that much. But in reality, you know what I mean? We actually are. So that one is called the smartphone compulsion test. So walk me through a little bit about what was going, like, why did you go, hold on, I've got to start putting the phone down and be, be more present. Well, I mean, one of the reasons that really triggered it for me was that I was having a lot of problems with my arm and my wrist um, because partly because of drawing, partly because of using my phone so much. And obviously I want to be able to draw. Um, I don't want to be on my phone all the time. And so when I got into physical therapy and stuff, I realized I had to, you know, not only get the physical therapy help and, you know, do the exercises and stuff, but they made it very clear that if I didn't change my behavior, um, that it was only going to be temporary, like the exercises might help, but it would just continue to be a problem. So I think for me, one of the big things was like a physical, like I was having physical uh, symptoms of my phone problem. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that really kind of was like, okay. Like also I've done like the apps where you download them. I forget what they're called. I think one might be called Moment. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right one, but there is an app where it tracks how long you're on your phone all day. And I yes. can't remember the hours, but it was like basically almost all of the time. <laughs> yes. And um, I was like, I don't really... You know, there, there are great benefits to the phone and there's certainly things that I love about it. But I think I was finding myself just sort of in a cycle of like, 
check Instagram, Twitter, email, like over and over Pinterest, like over and over. And like, I wasn't even really looking at it. I was just like, this is like a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just takes up so much time that, you know, if that's how you want to spend your time, that's fine. But that's not like when I look at the grand picture of my life, like I'd rather be reading, I'd rather be drawing, I'd rather be doing other things. Um, so I think the really hard thing about the phone for me is I can't give it up completely. I mean, I could in theory, um, like not have a phone, um, just like have a landline or something. Um, but that's really not likely for me or for a lot of people. Um, just in today's, you know, day and age, like you kind of need a smartphone, um, or most people do. And I would so, say 93,000 Instagram fans also would not be very happy if you thought. <laughs> exactly. You know, I could be, Instagram on the computer. Yeah, you know, I mean, I could be one of those people. Do you know what I mean? That if I stopped seeing your levels of goodness in my feed, I'd probably be disheartened, you know? But I mean, I would respect yeah. that you would need to break, you know what I mean, from the phone. But I'm like, no, come back, you know? Yeah, I would need to do that. I love Instagram. Um, and so I think that's where I really struggle. But because for me, I tend to be a very all or nothing person. Like, um, I've been sober now for eight years and I tried for, thank you. Um, I tried for a little while to like, be like, Oh, I'm going to drink less or I'm only going to drink beer and not liquor and like different things. And it just never really worked for me. Like moderation. I just had to get rid of it completely in order to not have issues with it. Um, and so I really struggle with the phone situation because it's not the same. It's almost like, um, more in line with somebody who has issues with eating because you have to be able to eat in a balanced way. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't completely be like, well, I'm not going to eat anymore. You need to learn how to manage it. Um, and the phone's like that too, for the most part. Um, you know, you, you want to have it in your life. There is good value there, but you can't, you know, overdo it. Um, and so it's something that I've struggled with a lot. And then I finally was like, you know, when I started talking to my coach Reba, um, about it, she was like, you know, I can help you with this. And so we started working on it together. And I think that was also a motivating factor because I kind of just brought it up with her in conversation, like, oh, I'm trying to deal with this phone thing and it's really hard. Um, and she was like, well, let's work on it together. And I think having somebody sort of to work through it with me really helped too um, because you have that accountability. And then I started blogging about it as well. So that also like helped me like share my experience um, with my readers. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, it's definitely still a work in progress. I would I would say I've made tons of progress since I started working on it, but I'm certainly looking at my phone more than I would like to be. And would you say since, um, but again, you've like, if you go back to what you talked about being, you know, surrounding yourself positive, I guess is that you've looked at the problem, you've identified the problem and you're taking action. So, you know, it's not going to change overnight, but you know, you, it's still a work in progress. Yes, definitely. And, and I guess some people, again, I'm a mental health clinician by trade and also work with individuals, you mean, with, you know, different drug addiction, et cetera, that I guess sobriety too for many is, you know, they, they will say, and I can't say for you because you're, every individual is different, but you work, you still, some individuals will still work on that every single day, even after eight years of sobriety or 10 years of sobriety. Oh yeah, it's definitely an like ongoing thing. Stop. I mean, some days are different, but it, it's not like, oh, it's been eight years and it's fine. And I mean, um, you know, I just saw right before we got on this call that Demi Lovato, who had been sober for six years, she just had a heroin overdose. Um, she's in the hospital right now. And like, I hope she's okay. For those of you who don't know who Demi Lovato is, she's a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, you know, no matter how long it's been with sobriety, it's an ongoing process. Like you have to keep working on it. 
Um, and so I think I'm sure the, the phone issue, even if I get to a point where I feel very happy with my relationship with my phone, I think it will still be an ongoing process to maintain that relationship and to not suddenly go back into, you know, overuse. And, you know, we're looking at before I stopped being um, working in the mental health field about oh, is it almost a year now. There was, you know, when we would look at the young people coming in. So in the like when we used our diagnostic tool, the DSM, to look at, you know, specific diagnosis for people. Obviously, there's nothing in there at the moment about technology, but we are seeing a huge increase of anxiety disorders coming in from young people who are on their phone so often. And so the last thing they do at night is they're on their phone. Um, But then the first thing they do in the morning is obviously pick up the phone, not just young people, us adults do it too, but they wake up in a panic. So if they go into Facebook and no one's liked their things or commented or whatever, they initially go into this panic that no one likes them. They have no friends. And then these, do you mean, these values and beliefs and all this stuff and their self-esteem and everything. And we're seeing an enormous amount of increase in suicides, you know, suicide risks around this. We're seeing an increase in anxiety disorders around it. Um, but we're also seeing um, different types of addiction coming up, you know, from the gaming element and things like that collectively. I'm not just talking about the phone, you know. So it is something that, again, I think so many people are struggling with, but not identifying or wanting to do something to change it. And that's why I guess my worry is for the young people is that their brains are being wired. There's a um, TED talk I heard the other day about digital dementia and how pretty much that we were causing our brains, you know, to pretty much go into like this dementia type state over time. And that if, you know, back in the day, I remember you would have to know your home phone number off by heart. You'd have to know everyone's phone numbers would be memorized. Whereas nowadays, if you ask people how many times, you know, Danny can, what's your number? And even if I didn't know your phone number, but I probably, I would struggle to probably relay your phone number back because it's in the phone. Why do I need to memorize it anymore? Or there's all these things that the talk went on about, but it was super interesting because I can see how different parts of our brain are deteriorating because of, you know, I mean, not just the phone, but theoretically technology overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely um, causing a lot of problems and problems we don't even know about yet. Because I mean, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, everything is still so relatively new. Um, And it's very hard to know, you know, what the long-term effects are going to be. Um, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, like I don't envision a world where it's like, oh, we don't have phones anymore. Um, the only reason I would see that is if we had something else other than phones, but, um, you know, it was like in our brains or something. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, so it's like something we need to deal with. And I think that's why, like, I really, you know, in my personal life, I really want to try to deal with it sooner rather than later. Um, because I know that it's not going away and it's not, you know, you know, the longer you do things, and especially when you're dealing with young brains. I mean, I had, you know, AOL instant messenger and stuff like that when I was young, (laughs) that they have now. And so I'm really grateful that I wasn't part of that. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to have social media or have a constant camera, you know, with me at all times or, you know, all all that stuff. Like as I was, if I was younger than I am now, um, I'm grateful that I didn't have that. But I think, you know, it really is about trying to find some sort of balance um, and to not, you know, also another thing that, you know, I was thinking about when when you first started talking about this, um, this topic is that everyone else is doing it. Um, So it becomes, you know, a challenge because 
you know, if you're sitting around and your friends are on their phone, um, you know, it's hard to see things as a problem. Um, and it can be that way with other addictions as well. It's like everyone around you drinks the same level you do. You might be like, oh, well, that's just fine. Everybody drinks that way. But then you realize like, oh, that's because you're surrounding yourself with people who do that. Um, and the phone, you know, it's not even just like, oh, you're around people who use their phone. I mean, you walk outside, walk down the street, like everyone's on their phone. So it's harder to say like, oh, this is a problem when you see everybody else doing it. Um, and I think that's kind of where we are, you know, culturally is like, I feel like we're starting to get to the point where people are realizing it's a problem. Um, and, you know, the fact that we're, they're doing it all the time, you know, like every second people have a free second, they look at their phone. Um, I think, you know, people are starting to get that it's a problem, but it's a really, really tricky one to solve because the phone is so many things like, you know, like it's a phone, it's a computer, it's, you know, connection to your friends. It's, you know, pretty artwork on Instagram. It's like everything you could want is in there. Um, and it's so, so hard to not want to just like pick it up. Um, but I think there are definitely things you can do if, if you're out there like looking for, um, ways to, you know, stop using your phone so much. And I guess that's great because I know when I was, um, reading on your website and Reva, your coach that you're currently working with. So could you talk us through about maybe two, three or four different key elements in terms of making positive progress with your phone overuse? Like what are some little tips that, you, you know, others might be able to start today? I think one of the, the main things that worked so well for me was, um, and the first thing Reba had me do was sort of pay attention to when I was using the phone and not judge myself for it. Um, so that I was able to sort of realize the times that were more triggering for me. Like when I was by myself, I would tend to look at it more, um, like right before bed, right when I woke up, you know, various times. So, but without judging it, I think was so key. Um, just being like, okay, like she made like a whole permission slip for me. And so like to be like, you're allowed to look at your phone. Like, don't judge it. I think that was really helpful for me because the second you start like judging yourself, like if you're saying like, I want to stop using my phone so much and then use it a ton. And then you're like, well, I'm terrible at this. I'm not going to be able to stop doing it. So then use it more. And it's just like this sort of vicious cycle. Yes. Um, whereas when you're not judging yourself and you're trying to be objective and say like, what am I doing on my phone? Am I enjoying it? Like kind of paying attention kind of goes back to the paying attention to your thoughts thing as well. Like, really being aware, like, cause a lot of times what we're doing on our phones is kind of mindless. Like you're like, Oh, I'll just check this app or I'll just do this. And we're not even like, do I want to check that? Like, so I think that was like a key thing for me. And then also talking about like the why, like, why did I not want to be using my phone so much? And for me, that was the pain in my arm, um, the cost of physical therapy that I didn't want to be paying. Um, the fact that I'd like cut down on, on drawing time because my arm hurt. Um, and that's something I love to do, which not only like personally, like is not something good, like I love creating and also like that impacts my financial situation. Like the less I can draw, the less I can like make. And so there are a lot of factors like why I wanted to cut back on my phone use. And I think for everybody that would be different. Like maybe you want to spend more time with your children. Maybe you want to read more books. Maybe you want to I don't know, exercise more, whatever you like wish you were doing instead of being on the phone. I think you have to get to a point and for me, it didn't happen overnight, but like you have to get to a point where like, all right, I want this other stuff more than being on my phone because really what the phone is, is it's time. Like we spend so much time and it's like, is that how you want to spend your life? Like, 
And if it is, it's like totally fine. Like if you want to look back on your life and be like, I saw all the memes, I watched all the videos, like I didn't miss anything on YouTube. That's totally cool. Like no judgment. Like if that's, if that's your goal, like I, I have no problem with that. But I think a lot of people, they just do it, you know, because it's easy, because it's right there, because other people are doing it, you know, they're afraid they're going to miss out on something, which I've noticed, you know, that was a huge thing for me too. Um, when I first started sort of cutting back, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't on Instagram every second, I'm going to miss something. And it's like, you don't miss anything, you know, yeah. like you'll see it, or if you don't see it, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, and you can still you know, scroll later on. Do you know what I mean? Like you can scroll at a later date. It will still be there. Right, exactly. Like you don't have to see something the second it goes up. Um, or respond to somebody's comment like immediately or whatever. Um, so I think that's like a really big thing is like sort of trying things out. Um, because I, a lot of what goes on with the phone usage just is what you think is going to happen. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it again with these sort of limiting beliefs. Like we talked about before, um, like if you think you can't do it or you won't do it or like well, I have to work. Like, there's no way I cannot look at my phone every second. Like all these things that you say you can't do. Like when, as soon as you do that, then you, you believe you can't do it. Exactly. Um, you don't even, so I think, you know, giving things a try, um, you know, and there's all kinds of things. I mean, like there are like lock boxes that you can put your phone in and like set a timer. Like that's something I'm thinking about even experimenting with, because I think that, you know, sometimes you just need that, like, completely like off limits thing you know if you live with other people or work with other people you could have like a you know phone free time that you you don't look at your phone like you can set up all sorts of things and there are a bunch of different suggestions on my website of what I've tried and what's worked for me um you know especially like details like on the like phone like things I've done with my apps and the colors and stuff that that have worked for me and there's tons of articles online as well about that stuff but I think you have to be willing to try it and see if it works um because if you just automatically say I can't do that or you know whatever my job is wouldn't allow for that like then you're setting yourself up for failure right from the beginning yes and I think like you mentioned earlier that this is it becomes harder and harder because society is doing it collectively. So you can, you know, let's say you aced it. You were hardly on your phone during the day and you go out to dinner with friends and every, you've got a group of eight and everyone happens to be on the phone, which I see often. And I like almost have heart failure because I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're out <laughs> you know, eating good food and you're all on your phone. How is this happening? You know, yeah, and I feel like it's more often than not when you're, you look at a table of people right? and you're then they're all, just all on their phone. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I was just in Bali and don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say that my kids have never had their iPad at a breakfast table, especially when they've been sick or whatever. Like, so I'm not going to sit there and say that, but every morning I went into this, I mean, Bali is a beautiful country and there's the family. And every time we saw them at breakfast, lunch and dinner, they were all on their phones and iPads. And I mean, each to their own, but I guess for me, it was still, there's a heart. There's like, I feel like we're losing the sense of conversation, you know? Um, that kids are going to ha not have the ability to potentially, um, what do you like have a job interview and make eye contact and actually talk like a human because it's going to be so, do you know what I mean? Computerized or iPhone. Yeah, and or I wonder sometimes if it's going to go that route, like we're all just going to be like part phone, yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's like, I can't envision a world in where it's like going to go backwards. I guess there, there tend to be like, 
cultural, you know, backswings and stuff. But with technology, it seems like it just goes more and more. Like, yep. you know, we went from having our laptops to now we've got iPads, phones, like, you know, everything all the time. Um, and, you know, like you're saying, like, are people even going to be going to in-person interviews in the future? Is it all just going to be like online, like typed out because people don't even want to do videos a lot of the time? But I do think that what comes up must come down. And I guess, you know, I bring up the phone scenario with you is not so much even from an addiction, but more about being present and having the ability to sit with your thoughts, you know, being able to talk with your friends. Because I had this, um, I watched this video, I can't even remember who it was, very influential guy, I wish I could remember his name, overseas somewhere. And he was talking about university, for example, and how universities, everyone's, you know, talking about teach people coding and teach people how to do this. And he's like, actually, no, don't continue to teach people all these skills that robots are going to be able to do. And that's the reality. Robots will be the ones that are coding and they're going to leave people without jobs. He goes, go back to the core, go back of teaching people values and how to speak and shake someone's hand and how to give empathy because robots will never be able to replace that. And it got me thinking, it was so so true because those skills are getting lost every single day. I continue to see the increase of phone usage and iPad usage and technology uses, I guess, you know, but I think again, if people can talk and shake a hand, those skills I believe will come back around and they're going to be few and far between. And that's where I think jobs will be created that, you know, I mean, have been replaced. Uh, you know, I think we'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next 10 to 15 years, but just collectively, you know, if there's anything that I would say from people's today conversation is just, you know, that positive, you know, choose to be positive or not and choose to be present or not. But the choice comes down, do you know what I mean, to you as an individual. And, and I think that that's an important point in you have to make a choice. Like, don't just settle for like what seems like the default. Like, mm-hmm. make sure that you're making the choice to be on your phone all the time. If that's what you want to do, totally fine. Um, but like, make sure you're doing it not just out of like habit or like reflex, like, you know, pay attention to what you're doing on the phone and like, is it necessary? And, you know, one thing I think that a lot of people do is like looking stuff up, like they won't be looking at their phone and maybe they're all out to dinner with a group of friends. And then they, you know, all of a sudden they're like, Oh, who was in that movie or whatever. And then somebody gets their phone out. And then next thing you know, everybody gets their phone out. And it's almost like an excuse to like, well, let me look this up, but I'm also going to check all these other things. And it's like, is that what you want to be doing? Like you need to kind of sometimes realize you don't need to look at something right away. You can look at it later. Um, and this sort of like instant gratification, like it can be like a really negative thing. It's very, you know, there's that positive reinforcement with the phone. You pick it up and there's going to be something on there, you know, whether it's a new news story or a like or whatever, like there's something there. Um, and that kind of makes people want to do it. But I think that you have to remember, like, you're the one in control of your life. You, know, you can't let the phone control you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to pick it up, go for it. But like, make sure you're doing it consciously and as a choice. And, you know, if all the things we've talked about today, if there's one thing that you would suggest listeners do to be more positively present in their lives, what would your advice be? I think it would be pay attention to your thoughts. And that kind of goes with the phone stuff and just in general, because you learn so much when you're not just operating on default. And it sounds crazy because you're like, well, I know what I'm thinking. But if you start paying attention, you know, and thinking a little bit more deeply about why you're reacting a certain way or why you're choosing to do something, um, 
you'll start to see your patterns, you'll start to see like what triggers you to take actions that you like or don't like. So you can sort of shape your life more, you know, towards the positive things and the things that bring you joy and the things that make you feel fulfilled and away from the things that drain you and, and make you feel negative. And I think, you know, whether it's at your job or with people that you spend time with, or when you're alone, you're paying attention to how you feel or, you know, like, let's say you hang out with a friend, like, after you're done, like immediately after, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like drained and like, oh, that was like hard and stressful? Or do you feel like, oh, that was fun. And like, I really like love connecting with him or her or whatever. I mean, I think those types of things, the paying attention to your own thoughts and the way you feel is is a huge game changer. And it's not saying you have to be positive all the time. You don't even have to be present all the time. Like, you know, live your own life. But once you start paying attention to your thoughts, you can make changes that will work for you. And a lot of people just don't do that. They just kind of go from thing to thing and, you know, dealing with what's in front of them and not really thinking about how they feel. Um, and, and it becomes difficult to even know what you want to change if you're not paying attention. So that would be my number one tip is to pay attention to your thoughts. Um, and it's not, it's a little bit hard at first, but the more you practice it, like the more you're like, Oh, I'm thinking that, or I'm reacting that way because of this. Um, and you're not just like, doing some sort of default reaction, um, you can actually be a little bit more measured and, and, uh, as choosy in what you do with your life and your time. And, and, you know, so being mindful and, you know, people, I guess, could also write down their thoughts, you know, in a book, if they wanted to, they, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, again, and which probably only solidify, you know, so if you're feeling this, you write it down, you probably bring more awareness too. So no, it's, I'm just saying you're thinking like not, I don't get lost for words often, but it is, it's very, you know, it's a great insight to be able to just look at your own stuff. And sometimes I think we compartmentalize or we, we push our own stuff out because we don't want to deal with it. But if you consider your thoughts, think about it, write it down. You know, I think you're right. It's, you know, one of the first steps in being able to being more positively present. Now, what is the one before we wrap up, what's the mantra you're currently living by? Um, Well, I don't really have a a mantra per se, but I think, you know, there's one thing that's up on my wall that I look at all the time and it says protect your peace. And that's something that I think about a lot because I don't often feel peaceful. Um, you know, I feel energetic or I feel stressed or I feel anxious or like peace isn't really, you know, there's some people that just have that as their default. They're just like peaceful, chill people. That's not really me, but that's something that I aspire to be. Like I would love to just be relaxed more. Uh-huh. Um and not worrying and not anxious. So I think, you know, I've started paying attention um, since I put that up on my wall, which was probably like at the beginning of the year. Um, I've started paying more attention to like whether something makes me feel peaceful or not Mm -hmm. um, and try to cultivate more peaceful and calm things in my life that don't stress me out as much. Gosh, I like that. So protect the peace. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, protect your peace. Because it's different for everybody. Um, Yeah, very groovy, that one. With the orange couch and that looking at, I mean, it could be a very zen environment at your house, I think, Denny. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I mean, I definitely try to keep it as, you know, calm as possible in here. It's not always possible, but, you know, I think (laughs) whatever you want to be, like, keep that in mind. Like, if you want to be positive, you want to be calm, whatever. Like, have that as your mantra, like, and see if whatever your situation is or, you know, people you're around, are they like enhancing that or are they taking away from it? And that kind of will give you an idea of 
you know, what's working and what's not. No, no, no. And for you, for listeners out there, obviously we talked a little bit about the beginning about what you do, you know, illustrating, you've got a couple books, you've got some eBooks, you've got your wonderful blog, but if the listeners would like to know more about you, where can they find you and what's next for you? Well, the best place to find me is positivelypresent.com. That um, has my blog, has links to all my books, to my art shop, um, to all my social media handles. Instagram is my definite favorite, um, but I'm on pretty much all of them. And what's next? Right now, I'm working on the everyday. I mean, every year I do um, a diary called the Everyday Matters Diary. Um, and this will be the sixth year in a row that I'm doing it. I'm currently working on the 2020 version. Um, which is really exciting because it's a new decade, so it feels like extra special. Oh. Uh, that's you know that won't be out for a little while. The um, 2019 one is out right now that people can get it on Amazon, and there are links on my website. Um, but I am really excited to be working on this one just because I don't know something about the new decade. Even though it's really far away, it seems like an exciting thing to be working on at the moment. And I did when I was online, I saw the little video clip you had of your uh, 2019 diary. And again, filled with all luscious bits of color and love. So yes, for those who are needing a new diary, make sure you check it out because it is all levels of awesome for sure. And I can't wait to see the new decade. It sounds like it's so far away when you say decade, but really we're less than 18 months before we hit that. Yeah, it's crazy. When you work on projects so far in advance, sometimes I forget like, you know, like people, I just saw something, I think it was on like, like a can of food and it said 2019. And I was like, Oh, is this expired? Because I'm like thinking <laughs> so far in advance on this project. Um, but it's definitely going to be a great one. I feel like they get better every single year that I do them because I've been doing them since 2015. Um, so I'm sure the 2021 will be like the best one yet. Um, but yeah, definitely check the 2019 one first. Yeah, no, exactly right. Don't skip. Don't skip a few a year. You still need a diary, so make sure. We call them yeah, yeah, diaries. And um, you know, just as you're saying, like 2020, I just remember like being 1999. Do you know what I mean? And going into <laughs> in Canada, and it was like happy 2000. So yeah, it's definitely showing my age here again, Danny. Which again, is something. Yeah, you got to level be 40 next year, so it keeps rocking and rolling. So now, so listen. That's part of me. Got to keep on moving. I know. Keep on going. Keep on going. Now, listen, what an amazing show, Danny. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time out over in the United States to join us today. And for those listening, it would be great if you took a moment to reflect on how you are or aren't being positively present in your life. And just think about as what Danny said, what's one simple change you can make for yourself that would get you one step closer to being positively present? My team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of business-related and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative, which has over 3,000 businesses. So make sure to join the community as I'd love to see you in there. But for now, have a wonderful day no matter where you are in the world. This is Ange and Danny over and out. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.